Hi, this is Marie. And this is Catherine. Welcome to Off the Shelf, a podcast about books, movies, TV shows, and all things library. Welcome to our second episode of Off the Shelf. Hi, Marie. How are you doing today, Catherine? I am thrilled to be here and talking about books and libraries and And all of the things that we do. we have a special guest with us today, Pam Hubbard, who many of you might remember as an English teacher at Spalding High School for years. Many, many years. (laughs) 32, to be exact. Oh, my gosh. But Pam has also been a trustee at the Rochester Public Library and an avid reader. So Mm -hmm. we're going to first talk a little bit about being a trustee. I think a lot of people don't know what a trustee Mm. is. So maybe you could... Well, neither did I when I first was was asked to be a trustee. I got a notification and I thought, well, that's nice, but I didn't even know they had them. And... uh, so I was delighted, and I went down, and I filled out a form, and um, I had no idea what to expect. And I went to the meeting, and I anything that had to do with the library, and it was a reason for me to go to the library, was a good thing for me. Now, that was about the time, was that before the edition, or was that just after? That was after? right after 1998. Okay. okay. So the edition had finished, and... Um, we were just starting to have some leak problems with the roof, oh. uh, which would be ongoing. Yeah. <laughs> but, and uh, to this day. Yes, you know, so, <laughs> roofs being like that. But, uh, yeah, so I started in 1998 and in the summer. And I have been a trustee of the Rochester Public Library right up to, to now, oh, to right now, and my term will end and I will reapply for 2023. But... The Rochester Public Library has a board of trustees that come, one from each ward, and one is the city manager's designee, and that one does not change, but we're set up so that every year, because there are six wards, two of us come up for renewal, so your term is like two to three years, and that, that works out well because you have conti- continuance, and you also have, you have a chance for new people to come right. on if they're mm-hmm. interested. You, you apply, and you are voted. You are interviewed by the city council, and then you are voted on by the city council. We are not directly elected by the populace at large, but we are certainly interviewed and screened by the city council. And our job is to just kind of oversee the library and to offer what advice we can. Um, we're not really a body of governance because the library, this is a this is a a city and the library is an independent unit and we I see us primarily as spokespeople for the library well and not just that and you you've provided certainly provided me a lot of support as I stepped into the role of director well first interim director and then director during the pandemic mm. you know well, so there was there's a lot of support that the trustees provide as well as sort of Guidance yeah. both yeah. ways, both guidance for staff and probably to the city, but also sort of being spokespeople for the community, well, for the I, people who use the library. I think that's a very important part of, of being a trustee, or in, in fact being a library patron, because 
the library offers so much that people don't have any idea about. And that's terribly too bad because mm -hmm. you have all kinds of digital material. Now, I'm going to have to confess right here and right now <laughs> that I am, I am a dinosaur. I do, not, I do not take to technology very well. As a matter of fact, I could be described as a technophobe. And my husband has described me as such on numerous occasions. But the library is filled with things that can be useful to the public. Uh, you've got all kinds of, of print. You've got all kinds of video. You've got all kinds of streaming books. You've got all kinds of things. Um, I have a dear friend who is as much of a library user, if not more, and she does everything online. That has been a real, that mm. saved us during the pandemic, Definitely. really, that, that we had so many streaming services oh. that people could download magazines, movies, television shows, books, um, Heritage Quest, Ancestry, people could do all of that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and, and, yeah. and it was a time when people <clears throat> needed that. Yes. You needed something to focus on besides what was going on around you. Yeah. But you know, for those for those of you out there who are are technologically inclined, <laughs> the library is it will be a second home to you, and it's it's yours to use, which is I think the most wonderful thing. Being a book freak. I spend a lot of money on books, but the point is then you have to find some place to put them, and then you have to store them, and then on occasion it'd be a good idea if you dust them, so, so otherwise they start looking a little seedy, but, um, but you know, and, and one time, I this is terrible to admit, but um, I, have a small, I have a small library that was added onto the back of our house. And one late night, there was this terrible crash, and um, it was just one, so I didn't really want to get up because you don't get, we'll get up for one crash. But we went upstairs the next day. Well, yeah, it is. Um, we went upstairs the next day, and the bookcase had <gasps> just it had the drop the bottom shelves had just dropped right off. Oh. And so all these books were lying on the floor, and, and I've said a few things, which I'm not going to repeat here. <laughs> and, and then I stacked up the books, and I called the, the people who had built the bookshelf, and I said, the bookshelf, has, parts of it had collapsed. And they said that was literally impossible. And I said, well, no, <laughs> it isn't. So they came, and they took a look, and they agreed it wasn't, but they didn't know how I'd managed to do that. And it was probably because I had the books triple stacked, and that might have oh accounted gosh. for the extra weight. I'm just, you know, just saying. I was an English what? teacher, not a math teacher, so I don't like to cross cross fields. And um, so the, the man worked on it, and he he pounded and he hammered it, and he he swore, and he when he got through, he said. This book craze is going to withstand if it's ground zero. It'll be the only thing that's left in your house. Everything else will be disintegrated. And by golly, it's right. It's doing just fine that's right great. now. And, yeah. and still that's triple wonderful. stacked. Uh, still uh, triple stacked. Double stacked now. Double stacked. Okay, well, <laughs> that's, that's only because let's not forget that I'm taking lots of my books and giving them to you for Bringing book sales. That's so, true. And if anybody out there is looking for cookbooks. You are a very lucky person because I've been <laughs> I've been ridding myself of my twelve step problem with cookbooks. Uh, first, by recognizing it and counting them and realizing I had over three hundred and I didn't need oh, that many. Really? Oh yes, it was it was a very bad habit. Wow. Um, so I'm I'm wheeling I'm wheedling them down and I'm giving them to to Catherine. Yeah, to so the library. you know, come yeah. to the library and 
pick out they're, they're really good cookbooks uh, you know I, I like to read them it's too bad I don't follow <laughs> the recipes but you, know, you can't have everything it's yeah. true so, it's true so yeah so I've been a trustee and I've watched <clears throat> the library grow and evolve and mm. change and it has really been a very rewarding experience for me because I have been a library user since I was a little girl and I was an only child, and learning to read meant I could entertain mm. myself. Right. And so being able to go to the library and pick out my books and read was a real escape for me because I was kind of a shy, quiet child. Um, and so reading became my world. And it continued, it has continued to be a real source of pleasure and education and entertainment. Um, I always used to tell my students that Authors weren't people who wrote because they couldn't get a real job. They were people that wrote because they thought they had something to say. Mm. But I don't think all literature has to be serious and dark and deep and incomprehensible to the average person. Absolutely. And I think sometimes that's what people perceive libraries to be, mm. someplace where I'm really not welcome because I don't want to read War and Peace in the original Russian. Um, <laughs> As so many of us do. Well, I haven't read it in English. <laughs> Me neither. I've seen the movie. So, that counts. That counts. You know, you're familiar with the plot. But, you know, I, I think that, that the library is for the use of everyone in a community. And Rochester has been truly, seriously been very blessed because they have had people who have really supported that library over the years. And um, I, I like to think of the late John Berrio, who did so much oh, work on, on the edition. I mean, he was like a one-man fundraising machine. And it's so important that we take advantage of what we have. And I would urge people quite seriously to, to go to the library. It's a very friendly place. You'll find all kinds of different things. There's something there for everybody. And... Um, and actually, this kind of leads us into the other reason why I'm here, which is my guilty pleasure, which is <laughs> the world of murder mysteries. Let's take a quick break there um, and uh, come back with murder mysteries. And I have um, known and loved. <laughs> murder <laughs> mysteries Pam has known and loved. Thank you. Join us in just a few seconds. We're back with Pam and Murder Mysteries She Has Loved. Yes, and I, this probably starts when I was a little girl, and of course I read a lot, and no little girl goes through her life without reading Nancy Drew. Oh. Nancy Drew and all the adventures that yes. she had with Ned, Ned Nickerson, her boyfriend, and her little roadster, and her friend, her <laughs> friend's Bess and George, yes. yes. Oh, Bess, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, 
and then the Hardy Boys, which I very much liked. Oh, yes. oh, I, you never read the Hardy no. Boys, Catherine? Oh, no, you really missed that was for boys. Bo- oh, see, I had brothers, <laughs> so when I ran out of Nancy Drews, I raided their to... shelves. Yeah, oh. see, I was an only child, but I just read the Hardy Boys anyway. Yeah. Now my mother did try and get me interested in the Bobsy Twins, but I've never oh. met four more instant children <laughs> in my life, and I was a child, so I didn't take to those at all. But I did read all of the those those typical. Cardi Boyce and Nancy Drews, and then off to college I went, and uh, my roommate and sorority sister, her family's was her father was a college professor, he was the dean of arts and sciences, but they were murder mystery buffs, and they were Agatha oh. Christie buffs, oh, okay. and so I was introduced to Agatha Christie, and the world of Hercule Poirot, mm-hmm. and Miss Marple in Saint Mary Mead, and I loved those books. And from there, would would go on and read a, a great number of the golden age of mystery yes. writers. And it, I found it fascinating because many of these writers were actually college dons and wrote mysteries, very erudite, witty mysteries under, under pseudonyms. Hmm. Uh, and I found that to be a very interesting sort of pattern. And from that became a, a lifelong interest in murder mysteries. I don't like gore, and I, I don't like a lot of violence. My husband likes the Scandinavian noir mysteries. And two I a little have, darker. Yeah, they're, they're a little very, darker. They're yeah. very dark. Oh, they're, they're very too dark for me. Yeah. But I have read some of them, and they're very well written. And I find it kind of interesting because the Scandinavians on the whole are a very cheerful lot of people. <laughs> not in I their guess, writing. Not in their writing. I guess that's how they let it all out. You know, they, just, they write these, these if, you, if you like something that's dark, you like American noir, you'll love the Scandinavian noir mm. because it's really, it's noir. But I have over the years kind of branched out into various areas of mysteries I also, had I not been an English teacher, probably would have been a history teacher. And so historical books have always fascinated me and did when I was a child. And if I can combine history and mysteries, I'm in a really good place. Mm. Yeah. And there are a number of writers. And all of these are available at the public library. Um, there's a wonderful two, two series that take place in ancient Rome. One by Stephen Saylor, who's an American, another one by Lindsay Davis, who's British. Both of them have fascinating characters, and you learn a lot about ancient Rome. And then there's Bruce Alexander, who wrote a whole series on Judge Henry, Judge John Fielding, who was they called the blind beak of of the Bow Street Runners. He was a judge. <laughs> His brother was a, an author and a playwright. And so they're wonderful pictures of London at the time, and it's a, it's a fabulous series, and it's written like a novel of the time, with each chapter introduced oh, by its name, just like a Dickens novel. Right. Oh. So those are wonderful. Um, there's, let's see, what else did I have? Uh, I told you that that um, I like Paul Doherty, who happens to be a, a professor or, or he's a headmaster in, in Great Britain and the UK. And he writes about the Middle Ages, and I just read the newest one. I checked it out of the library called Dark Queen Rising, and it was incredibly depressing. But, <laughs> but it was very interesting. The Middle Ages were not, were not the best of times no. for anybody. So, um, I, and Peter Lovesey is one of my favorite British writers, and he did a Vic, two Victorian series 
both of which are wonderful. One of them is with uh, Bertie Prince of Wales, and one of them oh. is with the Sergeant Cribb and, and Thackeray series, which would take place in Victorian England. And then he has a modern series with Peter Diamond, and I have yet to be able to figure out one of his books before That's the end. That's a good writer when yeah. you can't figure it I out. I never yep. have. And <laughs> another one who's excellent is Colin Dexter, who wrote the Inspector Morse series. Which oh, is that's a great series. Arts. That's a great series, and mm. I've never, ever been able to figure out one of his plots either. <laughs> I, I just don't even know how the man thinks that way. There's nothing worse than when you see it coming, right? In the beginning, yeah. you think, oh, I already know. I already know who did it. This is, And then it, there's really not that fun no, you don't yeah, have that bad. anticipation. Did you read um, uh, Magpie Murders? I'm trying to think of who that yes. author is. Uh, uh, Anthony. Anthony Horowitz? Yes, Anthony Horowitz, who was the producer. He did a lot of. Uh, he's done a lot of he, TV. He did, he's done a Very lot of interesting TV. He guy. did Foyle's War on PBS. He, he did um, the Alex Ryder series that oh, became yeah. a movie. Yeah. Um, yes. Really, which are, that's a, they're teen books for teens, and they made a movie that was good. Yeah. Really well done. But he's an interesting. He's his new one. He's he's got a series of maybe of two death, or three yes. where he's written himself in. He's a character in the book. Yes. As himself, um, which is fun. They're they're well done. They're smart. Yeah, well, he's 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 a, he's fiendishly clever too. He really is. And those are very interesting books, mm. for especially adding himself as the character. Yeah, a kind of hapless character too. Yeah, yeah. It's not a look at how great I am. It's more like a. Oh hmm. God, what a schlep! <laughs> yeah, I just, I just know what it he's really doing. Is. But, yeah, it makes it fun. Yeah, I, those have, those have been very good. Um, there are a number of really good writers that are out there, and, and alas, many of them have died. Um, there's a British writer who I've, I've given you some of her books, uh, Catherine Aird, who oh. writes a delightful little series that takes place in a, in a village in England, very similar to where she actually lived. Um, and it's got a, 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 a poor beleaguered detective who <laughs> is always saddled with the same constable. <laughs> who, is, who is called not the detective constable but the defective constable because he's such a fool and so it's just they're, they're gently satirical but they're very clever mysteries mm. and they're a lot of fun to read and Robert Barnard who's another one who wrote very very witty satirical mysteries and they're fun to read have you read the um, Mary oh shoot what's the name of the series the main character's first name is Mary but the first one is called The Beekeeper's Apprentice Oh, um, the, have it, you read it, those? Are those my king? The, yes. Yes. It's a, yeah, she's, uh, it's very Sherlock Holmesy in it. He, he is. He's a character. He's an old man in the books yep. and meets this young woman. That he because marries, they, doesn't he? They end up getting married, but they are both, um, they are both beekeepers. And so they, they kind of bump into each other on the moor, and it's not very pleasant. But that series is so popular. It's, it's <laughs> the first one is older, but... I would say now there are maybe 12 or more. There are quite a few. Those books are always out, and I love that. So I just have to say, I mean, I do like reading mysteries, and Tony Hillerman is one of my favorite oh, mystery writers. He does a fabulous job with He it. did. Um, but whenever I read a series where there's a village and... <laughs> Every book somebody dies. I think if I lived in that village, I would be out of there so fast. (laughs) I'd be on the next train after the second one. Yeah, time to time to move. Uh, No, I I, I feel that way about. uh, It was 
Caroline Graham wrote, I think, six mysteries. But she, her mysteries were used as the basis for a long-running series of, you have the, the DVDs in the mm-hmm. library, The Midsummer Murders. Oh, yeah. Oh. And The Midsummer Murders. That ran are, forever. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's still running. It's still running. And, um, and it's fascinating. But I'm surprised the entire <laughs> county hasn't been depopulated by now, because not only do, do, is people are people killed off at an astonishing rate in a really kind of small area, but they are killed off in the most fiendishly clever of ways. They don't, my my personal favorite was when somebody was shaken to death by a machine oh, that, that that shakes trees to rat oh. to, to oh, the nuts oh. drop. It was. I mean, it was. That was. That was a. Yeah, that was a. That was a stretch. (laughs) So I had to give him credit for that. But those are um, the the Caroline Graham books. There's only six of them. They are very, very well written, and they. I think that the the TV series has has kind of taken some liberties, shall we say, with with what she what she left behind. But uh, that that's a a a fun series to read. and we have really good American writers. Uh, Carl Hyacin is one of my favorites, who is a, that rarest of things, a native Floridian. I mean, he, he was born and raised in Florida. And his books are, are fabulous satires of everything that goes on in Florida, because Florida can be a very unusual state. I know, because I lived there for many, many years. So I'm well aware. I feel like his covers and titles are worth just, oh, yes. those, are, those are an enjoyment of their own. Yeah. Yes. They're very um, witty and, titles, and the covers are just sort of, I don't know, a little garish, a little like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> but in a, it was fun. He's, he's, he's a really int- intriguing writer, um, and he has been writing uh, young people. Yes, too, yeah, he's written a who, lot of young flush people. Yeah. Um, but he is terribly upset by the violence and corruption and the greed. I heard him interviewed, and it was on the Today Show, and his newest book had come out, and the woman who was interviewing said, you know, I really like your books, Carl, but sometimes I I have to say I think you get carried away. And he said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, quite frankly, in this new book, you have a character who steals those crosses from the side of the road (laughs) and puts them in, in in his yard as a garden. And she said, I really think that's a little much. And he said, oh, he said, I didn't create that. He said, I get most of my ideas from newspapers in Florida. He said, I just read newspapers and surf. He said, I got that out of the paper. And, and it turns crazy. out a lot of the strangest things that he has oh. in the books. And you think, oh, really, Carl? Hmm. Huh. Um, he's just gotten out of the paper. Wow. His children's, the youth books, I shouldn't say children's, because they're, they're middle grade readers, mm. um, often have an environmental um, um, message. message. In yes. them, which is really nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it's necessary. You look at, this is traveling away from mysteries, but you look at J.K. Rowling's and what she accomplished yes. with the Harry Potter series. Uh, you know, when you see, I was traveling a great deal at this time, and um, we were in a, an international airport, and there was a little girl there who couldn't have been any older than maybe seven, and she had the latest J.K. Rowling's, and it was, I think, as big as she was. <laughs> but she was hunkered down over that book, and I thought that this is what the joy that can come from reading. Yes, yes, and absolutely. No matter, absolutely. And and I make it a special point not to be a snob about reading. I think there's nothing worse than a reading snob. I think you should 
reading is such a pleasure and you can learn so much from it and sometimes you can just use it to enjoy yourself I think that's um, you mentioned this earlier I think it's a misconception about about libraries is and 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 people who love to read is that that people are snobs you can't read serious literature all the time you you know you at least I find when I read something that that is very thought-provoking and very makes my makes me think bends my brain a little bit I have to read something completely different either <laughs> non-fiction or really light you know like oh, no. I, right now I'm I'm reading a, a very entertaining but not um stressful or mind straining romance um <laughs> because it's it's a palate cleanser and it's perfectly well no it that's is. what it's, i was just gonna say that's what we call it in my house a palate it's, cleanser it's entertaining and fun and and right now things are going on in the world that are stressful and it's an escape and it's what i need at the end of the day and that's the beauty of a library, though, yes. is that you can come and get whatever it is that you need in that moment. You know, yes. if you're looking for escape, you can get it. If you're looking for facts, you can. And you can get you know. a stack. You yeah. bring home a stack. And OK, maybe you only find two that you like. Yeah. It didn't you cost you anything. And you just return them. <laughs> yeah. Bring them back. Yeah. I yeah. mean, when I first retired, uh, my I was retired for a year and a half before my husband retired. And then when he retired. It had been about a month, and uh, he finally said to me one night, um, how many times a week do you go to the library? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, how many days is it open? They'll answer your question. He said, what? Could you possibly do it at the library day after day? And I said, well, I just go in, and I look at see what's there. And I say hello to people, and I look around, and I said, it just makes me happy. And he kind of shook his head, and I didn't hear any more about it. But, you know, I, I think that I, I just find the library to be a really friendly, warm, and welcoming place. And I come and I check the new books. And uh, and this is this uh, another thing that the library has right now is book groups. And I belong to a book group, and we meet the second Monday of each month at 1 o'clock. And it has been, quite frankly, one of the great joys of my life because reading has been always important to me. But sometimes it's very lonely to read by yourself mm. and you have nobody to discuss what you've mm. read. Absolutely. Um, and, and when you've read something that, that really has a great deal of depth to it, you, you want to know what other people think. Mm. And this has been a wonderful book group because we're a very diverse group of people with very different backgrounds. But we learn so much from one another and we just look so forward to meeting and talking, and that was probably one of the things that I missed the most during the pandemic. Yes. Mm. I really did miss that, and I'm sorry for a technophobe. Zoom just doesn't cut it. It's not well, it's, the same. it's hard. It's hard yeah. to it's hard. talk it's just, over Zoom. It's, yeah. It almost seems to me to be such a travesty because you're trying to have these conversations and pretend you're all re- interacting. And there's always a little lag. So yeah. you, you, two people start to talk and then you're talking over yeah. each other. One of the things that I love about the book group um, at the library is that what gets read varies so mm. greatly from from month to month. It's There's a huge variety, so it's there's bound to be something that appeals to everybody. And then Catherine and I, we were talking to um, someone who is in the book group and is also on the Friends, and she said that she enjoys going to it, even when she hasn't liked the book, 
because she learns what other people have thought about the book mm. and she ends up leaving that discussion with a whole new appreciation of the book even if she didn't like it when she read it so yeah. i think that's a really you know that to yeah. me was a really interesting perspective well, and a that, really good oh, one oh i think yeah. that that's one of the things i've i've really found so fascinating because each each of us approaches things from our own obviously mm-hmm. from our own background and our own things that have happened to us and uh, and uh, people will have read things in the book that i didn't see at all and I, yeah. I find that, and that's one of the joys of talking about things, and then it spurs a conversation about other things. And I, I love going to book group, and even, as you say, if I hadn't particularly cared for the book, by the time I get through with the discussion, I've, I've gained a new appreciation right. for what I did read. Yeah. And you're not going to like everything the same, just the same way as you don't like all the people just the same. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna, some things you're going to like better, some things are going to be very thought-provoking and sometimes things that are thought-provoking can be troubling yes uh and that you find that with when you read sometimes but again that's why reading is so wonderful because you have so many choices as you say depending on your mood and what you want you check out some books some of them you read some you say well i just don't think i'm in the mood for this and i think we've all (laughs) done that when you sit down to read a book and it just Absolutely. You just can't do it. It's just and yeah. sometimes it's just the wrong time. It's the wrong yeah. time. Oh, yeah. often. It's not necessarily the wrong book. It's just the wrong time. Yeah. yeah. And then you pick it back up about a month later and think, well, why what? didn't I? <laughs> I, well, I what's wrong with me? Well, this is so good. I, you know, it's, yeah, I must have been really in a bad mood that day. But yeah, I remember reading one of the books we read for, for book group. And I, I've never been as much of a nonfiction reader as I've been a fiction reader. But we do a lot of nonfiction. And I was reading... One of Eric Larson's books, it was um, uh, Dead Wake, about okay. the sinking of the Lusitania. And when we had picked the book, I thought, oh, I really don't care much about the Lusitania, and I don't know much about <laughs> it either. I think it started World War One, but I'm not sure, because we never really got to World War One because we spent so much time in, back in the old days when I went to school <laughs> on, on the Re- American Revolution, oh. and we barely covered World War One and World War Two. Um, so, but I thought, well, I th- we're going to read it, and I was mesmerized by the book I ab- absolutely was I, and by the, the last 50 60 pages I just I just kept reading I couldn't stop and I lent it to a friend of mine who does like nonfiction and I said I think you'll really like this book and she said oh, I'm sure I will and um, so I handed it to her and a couple weeks later I called her because I wanted to ask her mm-hmm. something and and she picked up the phone and she said, I can't talk to you right now because I'm floating in the Irish Sea. <laughs> <laughs> and now that might have oh, seemed strange that. to some of you, no. but it didn't to me at all because I knew exactly where she was in the book. And I said, call me. And she said, I'll call you when I hit land. I said, okay. So, and she did. But That's it great. was just one of, those, one of those books that was just so incredibly mm. powerful. Uh, and I think it, I would like to say how we choose our books. We, we go through the state of New Hampshire with their book, uh, that's yes. the, reads book to go. Yes. The, the, the reads to go, which makes it easy for everyone because everyone gets a copy of the book and there's some questions, mm-hmm. there's some guidance, there's some information and nobody has to buy the book yeah. because for some people that's, that's a, a large expense. Yeah, yeah. books are not cheap. Now. Books are yeah, not cheap, yeah, and yeah. Uh, like trade paper, it mostly goes now for fifteen to twenty dollars. Yeah. So that's not that's that's yeah. not inexpensive. No. So 
and the, the, the choices are, are vast. And there so are. we try and mix them. And I think some of our best discussions have been on things that were, I would not have read myself. And mm-hmm. had I read it myself, I wouldn't have gotten out of it what I did reading it with the book yeah. group. So I would urge anyone who's listening to, to look for book groups. And they have yes. book groups that specify certain interests. I know the library now is doing a true crime yes, book group. Yes, we are doing a true crime book group. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm not as big into true crime. I'm I'm not either. It's, I like it. Well, I, I like it. I think that's great. <laughs> I, and, and that's, you know. It's different. It's just a different I had a cousin who used to say that's topic. why there's chocolate and vanilla. Exactly. There's different yeah. things for everybody. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that one person's taste is better than another. It's just that that's not my interest yeah. as much as as. St. Mary Mead is, you know, with Miss and, 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 and Hercule Poirot, but, um, and I, I, I have to say, because I am approaching my 76th birthday, there is something to be said for aging in that your memory is, gets a little slippery there on occasion, <laughs> and so you can reread things knowing that, I'm sure I read this, but I don't have the faintest <laughs> idea what happened. again. <laughs> So I'll just read it again. That's fun. <laughs> That's really funny. That kind of goes back to something that Catherine and I were talking about in the previous um, episode where I was saying that sometimes listening to an audio book oh. after reading the book, I get things that I hadn't, yes. that I hadn't noticed. Yes. Because, yeah. Which yeah. brings up another good point about mysteries and books in general and audiobooks is I think that you have read the South African um, Tani Maria books. Yes. So the first book is called um, Recipes for Love and Murder, um, which sounds, you know, but it's set in South Africa, which I realized I knew nothing about. Yeah. And so um, there's a whole little vocabulary in the back of the book. And, of course, different terms and different descriptions of the countryside. And it's a great book. I discovered that we had the audiobooks, And I oh, listened to great. one, even though I'd already read the books, and thought, oh, in my mind, I was mispronouncing all of those words. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't know what they were. Even, yeah. you know, the vocabulary in the back is great. It gives you the definition. But I had no clue how those words were. Ta- and yeah. Tani Maria looks like tan t-a-n-n-e oh okay and it means auntie like oh, an auntie okay. an, o- an older woman who maybe doesn't have children who's sort of a community a community mother. elder yeah. community mother um and those are great books but i felt like both reading and listening that i was going somewhere that i was in a different place well that, that's one of the things that you great... can do you can travel yeah um, and one of my favorite american writers is donna leone and she sets all of her oh. mysteries in venice and I had been to Venice back uh, 40 years ago, and uh, but it only been a day trip. And I had my great one of my one of my bucket list wishes <laughs> was to read a Donna Leone in Venice. Oh. And we arranged a trip to uh, to Italy in 2018, and we had four days in Venice. And oh. I had I used more self control than I have ever used. <laughs> I had the, the latest Donna Leone, which I, I packed away so I couldn't get at it. And I took it with me. And when we got to Venice, I took the guide aside and said, I, I don't want you to think I'm very strange. But I said, I have the latest Donna Leone mystery. And I've always wanted to read a Donna Leone in Venice. <laughs> and so when you're taking people to, to St. Mark's tomorrow, much as I would like to see, see 
the cathedral again. I really want to fulfill this wish. Well, she started calling me Miss Marple, and she said, <laughs> oh. And she said, Donna Leone lives right in this section. She oh, said, right in the section. She lives in the other section that, where your hotel is. She said, I see her all the time at the cheese market down the street. Oh. And I was just Did so you excited. collapse right there? Did you just I didn't fall to the ground, but I was pretty I was pretty shaky. I was oh my gosh. pretty excited by this. But they all went off, and I sat in my, in my window of my hotel room overlooking the back canals of Venice mm-hmm. and watching Venetian life go out and around me while I read this book. And it was a, just a wonderful experience. So and uh, every one of her books has a map of Venice in it. Mm-hmm. And I, I can now still go and say, I, I was there and I went oh. there. You can travel. I, the, the Botswana books with uh, the Alexander McCall Smith, oh, yes. the, the ladies' number one detective agency, uh, I have recommended those to so many people, and my one of my doctors, my physician, said she read them, she listened to them on tape and and on audio, and she said it was wonderful because they she they got for the what you said yeah. they got the pr- pronunciation right. correct, mm-hmm. and she said I was mispronouncing everything in my head, <laughs> and she said so that, that I, that I knew how funny. it was pronounced and. And and she said that they did everything. It was, she said it was just so wonderful. And then she lent them to her. Her mother had back surgery, and was incapacitated for some oh. time. So she lent them to her mother. So you know, audiobooks are a wonderful thing. Mm. I know my my sister in law used to travel around across country because they lived out in California, but their relatives were all on the East Coast, and they always traveled with with audiobooks. Yeah, because you, it's a it's a big country. Yeah, it's you know so it's. And a lot of, you know, there's a lot to see and it's beautiful, but there's also a lot of boring. Well, there's another cornfield. You know. right. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh. I got another cornfield. Oh, a lot of cornfields around here. So, um, but, you know, I mean, you, you, can, you can travel all kinds of places. And yeah. you, there's a, an American writer. Um, Elliot Patterson, who writes a fascinating series that takes place in Tibet. Oh, it's a very deep, um, hmm. it's a very deep series, but mm. it's it's fa- it's fascinating, and troubling. But that's a that's a wonderful series for reading about Tibet, and mm-hmm. you know, of course they've got all kinds of books in the UK. Yeah. Um, Kate Ellis was one I discovered during the pandemic. The library only has one of her books. It's The Bone Garden, and she's written twenty six. Wow, and um. I'm not so much of a technophobe that I didn't discover the joys of Amazon and ordering books by the, (laughs) my husband swears by the hundreds. (laughs) Amazon kept coming and coming and coming, dropping off these books from all over the place. It was heaven. So if any of you who are listening are interested in the Kate Ellis series, I finally parted with them, and they are at the used bookstore at Lady's Book Swap. So I, they, you have enough there to get you through, a, God forbid, another pandemic. Oh, but, so, but um, you know, I, I that was a, that was an interesting series. There, there's uh, there's so much there's so much you can enjoy mm. in reading, and I just talk about mysteries, but there are other things that are equally enjoyable. And one of the things that I really enjoy about you know, you're talking about travel in in your reading and all the series that are set in different places is that I will often then go and read nonfiction about that culture or that time in history. And and as we're talking, I'm thinking that this would be a great future podcast, nonfiction oh, that yeah. we, you know, nonfiction that's 
really well written because sometimes nonfiction can be dry and a little bit hard to get through. But yeah. those those well written nonfiction mm. books are amazing. Well, there's a reason that that there's a saying: truth is stranger than fiction. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it is really fun to read something that could be a, a mystery, something light, whatever, and it catches you so much that you, you know, you go off on this you little rabbit, rabbit trail, hole. rabbit hole, you know. <laughs> I love that. I love those, that. You know, those, reading yeah. those Tunny Marias led me to really be interested in South Africa and what it looks like and, and where the different locations are and somewhere that I would put on a bucket list to travel to now that I never would have... I hate to say, I just didn't really think about it. Yeah. Um, but it just well, was so so brought to life that it brings those things to you. Whether you're able to go visit them or not, it brings yeah. them to you in a way yes. that you can experience them. I love that. Uh, well, I think that that's one of the reasons why reading is, is so fundamental to, to people's, mm. no matter how you read. And I consider listening to an audio book to be Absolutely. reading. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so I would just urge people to, to take advantage of what you have, especially since you know this is this is your tax dollars, this is your tax dollars, these are, these are your money that's being spent, and mm-hmm. and take advantage of it by using a public library that wants to be there to help you, uh, wants to be there to, to serve you, uh, in in a variety of ways that you cannot imagine. So I would hope that people who are listening will, if they haven't been to the library, say, well, you know what, we know where it is. And it's our public library. Why don't we use it? And it's not hard to get a library card. All you need to do is come in, bring your ID, um, bring in something that shows that you're a Rochester resident. We'll get you all set up. And uh, we hope we hope you all come in. And yes. we'd love to see you and welcome you to the library. And Thank- buy those cookbooks. <laughs> There's more coming from where from the ones that are there now. So get in there and buy a cookbook. You can try a new recipe. Oh All right, my. we're gonna leave Pam with the last word for this episode. See you next time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye bye.